This is Sober in the City. Real life, real addiction, real recovery. For Sober in the City all week, subscribe to our podcast by visiting SoberInTheCity.com or search Sober in the City in the iTunes store. Stick this in a shot glass and shoot it. It's Dangerous Debbie Strand. We're back with more Sober in the City, and I'm Debbie Strand. If you think you or someone you know might have a problem with drugs, alcohol, pot, food issues, sex, gambling, porn, smoking, hair pulling, yeah, I know, all sounds like a buzzkill, but really sober is better, I swear. Give us a call, 800-SOBER-05, 800-SOBER-05. I'd love to hear from you, where you're at, your opinion on the topics that we're sharing on, and what would you like us to share on? I could put a whole show together just for you. We always have reasons to go back. Give us a call. Share that reason here and tell us that resentment. Call us 800-SOBER-05 and visit us at SoberInTheCity.com and listen live on the Sober in the City app for Apple Android devices and share them with your friends. You got a sponsee driving you nuts? Turn them onto the show. Right now, how did you know that you needed help? How did you get it? How hard was the transition? And how much better is it now? So now, how hard was the transition? For me, not being in a program, it was really hard. I delayed my healing process and I had anxiety for like three years straight. I was not comfortable with who I was and had fears that I was not good enough in others' eyes. One day, a man shared in a meeting that he was pretty sure that he was a mind reader. And he was sure that when he walked into the room, he could tell that everyone was thinking negative thoughts about him. When he realized how ridiculous that was, he stopped worrying what others may or may not have been thinking of him. And that hit me that day like a ton of bricks. So when I also realized that everyone else is so darn busy worrying about their own selves, that they really have little or no time to think about me, I was truly relieved from that fear. And also, I know that I'm a good person and that I do good things with my life. And I don't reach out and try to hurt other people purposely. And God is okay with me. He probably likes me real well. And I do a lot of work in helping other people. So I hold my head up high. I know that I'm in good graces with God. I know for me, I'm doing the right things for my life. And the toughest part of that transition for me was being in those fears. And I don't have them anymore. And just like anybody else, you know, I had the drinking and the using dreams and I grieved the old lifestyle and things had to take time to shift from what my old friends were and my old life into what my life is now. And the people with long-term sobriety and the people that are healthy that I want to have around me and not the nutbags that I used to be with. You know, I had all of that too in early sobriety, but it passed as I continued to do the right thing. And I'm really comfortable with my life and who I am today. So the transition period is over. There will be things that I will transition in and out of throughout the rest of my life. But I know my experience tells me that as long as I continue to do the right thing, that process will be okay with me. So I'm going to go to Rich, who lives in West Palm, is originally from Wisconsin. Go Green Bay. Rich, yes. welcome to Sober in the City. Hey. You hear what we're sharing about. How tough was the transition for you? How tough was the transition for me? Hmm, let's see. Well, the last day being out there was my dead day, I call it. Uh, it was. I was faced with a decision 
that I, I thought out overnight on the beach, crying to the heavens, that I, the only place I really had left to go was a place that I had already been six times. So it took a lot of humility to get me back. Um, but I did, I was able to sit and think all night in a puddle of tears and say to myself, am I ready? You know, it's the big question. Am I ready? Am I ready? And am I willing to go to any length to gain peace in my life through stopping? So, uh, for me, it was a well thought out, uh, night and I was ready. I was going back into a program that I, I, I had to go in thinking I am not here to make friends. That intuitively happens, but I'm not there for that reason. I am there to save my life. I wanted to die that night, and it was a very scary place to be. You talk about having been in a place six different times. So obviously you transitioned from when you had first asked for help, when you had first realized that you needed help. There's obviously been quite a struggle. How long of a period of time was that from when you realized you needed help, maybe for the first time reached out for help or was uh, had an intervention on you? How did that process come about, Rich? Well, for me, it was many, many years of, you know, cleaning up, as they say. Uh, and at the end, it got, and I'm talking from the age of 16, was my first forced rehabilitation. Uh, needless to say, 16 years old, uh, the chances are slim to none. Not that it's impossible, uh, but I was way too much of a social butterfly. But there was a lot of years, a lot of years that I was in and out and in and out. And I, I got into a marriage and I was in and out in that. And I burned so many bridges on the way. Um, it just, it takes what it takes, you know, for everybody. It just takes what it takes. And I'll tell you, honestly, ego and pride helped keep me sick for a very, very, very long time. And those are two characteristics that I had to take a deep look at was my pride and my ego. Um, and through the transition, this last time going in, uh, I pretty much had a mindset because I've had influences, wonderful influences in my life. My mother being one of them, uh, just celebrated 36 years in, in a 12-step program, also 39 years in Al-Anon. So, I mean, I got it. Uh, I was, yeah, I was messed, you know. I, I did not call home when I needed help, believe me. <laughs> so, that was going to be a healthy shoulder, that, not a soft one. <laughs> right, right. I had that influence. I had that positive influence. And then, of course, I lost my dad about 10 years ago. Uh, I buried him. Um from this disease. So I have like the angel and the devil on, on each shoulder, you know, and when I lost, you know, my father, who was a sick man, I loved him, but he was sick. Um, when I lost him, I really took a good hard look at who I wanted to become. And I, I'm a firm believer in we will become what it is we most seek. Now I go to a lot of places and I see a lot of sober people who have just stopped and there is a lot of people, there's probably a much more abundant number of people that don't have what I want. Um, because I kind of discovered over all those years of pain, what it is that I really want. And it's an internal piece. You know, it's, it's the love for self that I've gained through this transition, um, which radiates onto others today, you know, but it, it took a real, 
it took a real soul search and a lot of pain and a lot of years for me, you know, to come to terms with that. I want to be, a, uh, I want to lead with love and I want to, I want to be a positive influence in my own life. You know, they talk about compassion, you know, being a part of a program now as a general manager, I've gone from a resident to an assistant manager to about that time discovering what it means to have compassion for those who come up the front steps as sick as I once was and have that genuine care, that selfless care that you want to see this person do good. You want them to feel what it is I felt. And, and in doing so, it's taken me to another level. Now I'm, now I'm confided by many, many men and, it's like I call it the point of no return. We all know we're one drink or drug away. Um, but I, I, to the point of no return means that I'm all in. You know, this is, I have people calling me, confiding in me, you know, trusting me with their feelings. That's such an intimate act, and I love it. It's just, it's, it, I, I can't come up with all the words to describe how wonderful sobriety is and all the, all the great benefits it can give. Do me a favor, Rich, describe just a little bit about how that pride and ego kept you sick, because I agree so wholeheartedly. And when I get stuck with things in my life, it's always pride and ego. Can you talk just a little bit about that? Well, for me, pride and ego, see, I'm a very intellectual man, you know, I'm, I'm a smart guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> and for me, it was always, you know, I believed in the program to a certain level, and then it stopped. You know, today, the difference is today, I believe wholeheartedly, as the, as the word you used to describe it, I believe wholeheartedly in the, the program and the process of acceptance and the, in the fact that I don't, that I have to accept, I don't know it all. And that others' ideas have taken me to a point in my life that I've never been positive. You know, those were others' ideas that I had, I had listened to. and became open-minded in my own situation, you know, relation, being able to relate is a, a key part to going to meetings. You know, you go to meetings and then you relate and then all of a sudden you, you start relationships and you start meeting people and they have what you want. And then with, in the midst of all that, you discover what you want. You discover what you want to be. Like you want that person's glow. Okay. Now I'm starting to become open-minded to what it is that person does. And 90% of the people that have had what I wanted in the recent years, um, have had that glow, that, that, that heightened spiritual awareness and the, the ability to love in all they do that goes for self and others. And you can tell that their ego is not attached, you know, their ego and their pride is not attached. You know, I, I have I have positive pride today. It's in helping others. I think that's a great description of it. I know in early recovery, every time my sponsor talked to me, all I ever said was, I know, I know, I know. If I knew uh, so yeah, much, yeah. I wouldn't need to be there, right? <laughs> I don't say yeah. that anymore. I go, I don't know. I don't, I don't want responsibility uh, for anything. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Rich, thank right. you so much for being with us here at Sober in the City. We're going to go to Tony P. Tony P is in West right, Palm Beach. I love, you. love you too, hon. Take care. Tony P., welcome to Sober in the City. Thank you, Deb. Talk to us about being in the transition of recovery. You know, you go through a place where suddenly you realize that you need help. You reach out and you get some help. But now you're in this transition. You're kind of in that 
they always say when one door closes, another one opens, but you got to live that little while in that hallway. Are you in that hallway? Where are you in your process? How is that transition for you? Um, the transition from the beginning, um, when I finally admitted to myself uh, and got honest to it with myself um, that, that I really have a problem, I'm not going to be able to do it alone. I need professional help. Uh, I tried going to AA for a little while, so I was past that point. I needed professional help. Uh, it was November 2011 when I first came down to South Florida for treatment. And um, there was a little bit of it that was for my wife, or maybe more than more than that. Um, for my wife, I was not, I knew I was sick, but not ready to, to quit um, as an alcoholic and addict. And I went through that period. Um, did good for a period of time from from treatment into halfway house and then into, uh, let's say, the job, um, getting work, was was very difficult for me. Um, I had a hard time with it. I went from, I'm not going to get a job, who's going to hire a guy you know, with uh, maybe felonies in his car background um, and no driver's license. I put all these things in my head. Um, I'm not good enough, and nobody's going to want me. And lo and behold, everybody wanted me, and I ended up working seven days a week and and forget meetings and forget everything and then forget any kind of program and um, relapse. So everything um, else became more important at that point. Absolutely. I was feeling better, and I had a sense of urgency to, to let me catch up, let me make up for lost time. Um, and we all know that's totally impossible. There's no way you can do that. I know now, and, and I can attest to it. Um, it's absolutely impossible. You need to start from day one and have patience and perseverance. And it's so hard for, for people that are alcoholics and addicts to use self-gratification to, um, to have any of that. Self-gratification and absolute intolerance of feeling any discomfort. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's very uncomfortable. There's, there's nothing, uh, nothing too easy about it. But, so uh, nothing, nothing comes easy. So where are you now in your process of recovery, Tony? I am into the job, just getting into the workforce again. And I already know in the back of my head everything that I just told you, that I'm, I'm not going to work more than 40 hours a week. I'm not going to push myself or anything more than uh, just like my program is simple, it's going to be part of a simple program. Going to work, meetings, it, it, a big balance is going to be huge for me, more than huge. Um, personal time, which I never took. I always thought I should be helping somebody out somewhere and this, that, and the other thing. So through this experience, through this journey, um, it, it's a balance between work, meetings, friends, um, uh, hobbies or whatever on the weekends, and just relaxing time, time to meditate, time to read, and just stand back from it all. And uh, it's just thinking about it. Sometimes I write things down, keep my priorities straight, and uh, it's, it's just like they say. When I think it's really cool that you have found out that you really need the balance in your life. And I had just posted a story on Facebook when I was putting this show together. I was researching what really makes people happy. What are people talking about on their deathbeds? And it's never about 
making more money. It's never about having bigger things and bigger houses. It's never about all those things. There was a story about an American businessman that was down in Mexico and he commented on this guy that was fishing and he was a very simple man and he had some fish, just enough for his family and a few friends to come over and have a dinner. And and the American businessman said to him, well, why don't you fish for more? And he said, well, this is all we need. And then we're going to eat and we're going to go into town and I'm going to play the guitar with my amigos and we're going to have a nice relaxing evening. I'm going to walk through town. I'm going to drink some wine with my wife. And and uh, he had a nice evening planned for himself. And the American came up with the idea of why don't you buy another fishing boat, you know, get more fish, sell the fish, get big fishing boats, and then you can get a distributorship and then you're selling them all over the world and you can get all this and acquire all this and make millions of dollars and have this really great place. He says, and then you could save up your money and then you can retire and you can see where the this story is going. <laughs> you can retire and have dinner with your family and friends every night and stroll through the village drinking wine with your wife and go play guitar with your amigos. So this man was living that life that we sometimes drive ourselves to work and work and work to finally have at the end of our lives when we retire. He was living that all along. So I think the moral of the story was that he had found the balance in his life and was just going to live it. Can you see where I would correlate that story with what we're sharing, Tony? Absolutely, especially when you said, um, you know, on your deathbed, um, does anybody say, I wish I made more money or bought more airplanes or boats? No. Um, They say things like, I wish I spent more time with my sons, uh, in my case, with my sons. I wish I spent more time uh, giving back, habitat for humanity, um, another thing on my list. Um, and those are the important, the important things in life. Um, and, and it's, that's all I want right now. A simple, tiny place to call my own, simple job to go to, all the things that I thought were corny and nerdy. And, you know, I was such a rebel. <laughs> I want all those things so, so bad right now. If you want to call me boring, I will be happy to be boring. I don't even care if you call me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I don't care because like yeah. I'm just over here being about, happy. Right, it's about putting myself first. Um, I do that, and and honesty, being honest with myself is, is so important also to me. Oh my God! How about that? Being able to sleep at night, Tony, with no worries, no regrets, no. Oh my God, am I going to get caught in this lie or the other lie? And, oh, I can't live like yeah, that. that, that no, that was a job just in itself. So much energy um, put out, so much negative energy put out and wasted to turn to, to, to positive things and, and getting forward in life. Totally. Going back. It's so exhausting trying to keep up with all that. And God forbid you're the one on the other end of the line, how hurtful and how exhausting that is. That's right. They say uh, a good liar needs a good memory. <laughs> A good liar needs to be shot about that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bad enough. Okay, Tony, let's I, go. I, um, I was going to say thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me on. Tony, thanks for being here with Sober in the City. We sure appreciate you being here. We're going to go to Brian. Brian is calling from somewhere in Wisconsin. It's my Wisconsin day. Where are you, Brian? Welcome to Sober in the City. Oh, oh, it's not Minnesota. Minnesota. No. Did I say yeah, that? Wisconsin. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm not in Minnesota. Okay. I got cheese curds coming to you in the mail. (laughs) Thank you. I like cheese curds. (laughs) (laughs) They're great. They squeak. Yeah. That's the best part of recovery. You get to get squeaky cheese curds, you know. That's awesome. I love it. And then string cheese. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm from Grafton, Wisconsin, just above Milwaukee. Grafton, Wisconsin. I've been up that way many, many times. Spent a lot of summers up there. It's a beautiful place and filled with wonderful people. But I was not in sobriety when I was there. It was quite a long time ago when I worked in the professional auto racing circuit. And um, I drank a lot up there. <laughs> Elkhart Lake. Elkhart Lake. I sure Elkhart did. Lake. And out at Seepkins and drinking the Jägermeister parties. And yeah, it was it was pretty wild up there. Yeah, we had a great time. Beautiful country, though. What Brian, it's all about. Yep. I'm glad you're here with us. I'm glad you've joined us in sobriety because that is what you have told us that your path needed to be. And after you found out that you needed help and you reached out for it, how is that transition working? How is it working for you going from having that drunken lifestyle and trying to fit into your new life and trying to figure out what that is? How's it working for you, Brian? Actually, it's been really tough. You know, I mean, all the triggers are there. Everything's here. All the friends are around, the old friends that I used to hang out with and stuff like that. Family issues are still there, you know, and whatnot. But you're just going to learn to work forwards and deal with it and go day by day. I got a supportive wife. And um, she's all, um, Brian, are you going to a meeting? Brian, are you going to a meeting? Yes, I'm going to a meeting. Okay, what are you kicking <laughs> me out of the house? You know, okay, I'll go. Fine, whatever. No, but it's great. I'm, I met some really good people, and uh, meetings are going really well. Okay, yep, but, and all that stuff. but how about that transition? How about the, like Tony and I were just talking about, uh, sometimes just lies, lies of omission, um, and different things that you're going through, and the different adjustments, and and yes, the uh, triggers are there, but you're not acting out on them. How is it working with being around old friends and getting rid of them and getting it's new tough. friends? Well, it's really tough. You know, I mean, you're stepping on eggshells with everybody because everybody knows where you've been. So they know what you've gone through. They know where you've been and they expect you to be like godly. Oh, my God, I'm going to come back and save the world. But that ain't, you know, that's not how it goes. It's every day. You got to just like Tony said, you got to take it every day. You got to be grateful for what you got. And every day I wake up, I'm thankful, you know, and it just, it, it's really tough. I've had a couple bad days and, um, yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm working through it. I'm, I'm working on a sponsor right now and, um, yeah, that's about it. I'm, so can you see that on the other side that this is worth that battle and some days you just got to hang in there and watch the clock tick? You know, every time my boys come home uh, from school, it is worth the battle. And, you know, I mean, wife can come and go and stuff like that. I don't mean to mean that in a bad way, but uh, it just the boys, they said, Daddy, we're glad you're home. And I'm glad I'm home. And I want to pump in a thing for Believe. Believe down there in Florida, they were fantastic for yes, me. Yes, I met Brian. For me too. I met Brian at the Believe Treatment Center in the Palm Beaches, and yeah. I spent a lot of time over there helping different people. And, and Brian and I spent some time going through the big book. We had and, some one-on-one we time. Did. We were able to do that, and we did some uh, four-step turnarounds, and it was some really, really good work, Brian. You were really willing. You were really open, and uh, you were ready to get this thing. And then you go back to Wisconsin, you know and you're back in life. Yeah, it's funny about that, too, because I opened my big book the other night when I had to read a passage out of there, and this lady said, why did, Why is all that stuff highlighted? I said, <laughs> you wouldn't believe this woman that <laughs> walked me through this book. Yeah, no, it was great, and you did, and it means so much to me, and it, it does. It's working every day. I mean, it's great. You wake up, and you've got to go to meetings and do all that stuff, and it just, it, it's tough, though. I mean, every, every day you have your, you know, your temptations and stuff like that and 
I don't know. It's just I miss everybody, and I miss, uh, you know, all the program. I had an opportunity to go to a five-and-a-half-day, I guess, I don't know if it was a treatment center, but it was a five-and-a-half-day seminar on a lot of family stuff and whatnot. It, um, it was psychodrama at eight years sober. And I know what you're talking about, that feeling of going home afterwards. You know, it's like in this safe cocoon, and I didn't want to leave. You know, it's very difficult to get off Yeah, the definitely. Plane. When you're in your program, yeah, when you're in your program, you're in a safe cocoon. You're going to meetings every day. Okay, this is your ritual, this and that. And then when you come home, you have your wife, kids, bills, um, you know, whatever else is pending. And it just it eats away at you. And that's kind of one of the worst things that happens to anybody who comes off a program and is looking to be sober, that is like, oh, that's like the death metal, you know? Well, and that's <laughs> like, why they uh, say right, right away. Stab you. Yeah, well, exactly. It's that's tough. why they say right away, get to a meeting and raise your hand and say you need help and start and getting numbers and reaching yep. out. And that's the best thing you can do. And I know just for me, it took some time to integrate back into society. I couldn't be around crowds and a lot of noise. And but on the other side, you know, I, f- I feel much better. I'm healed from a lot of those things. But Brian, I want to encourage you about those highlights that you have in your big book. I mean, I got sober in 2004. Don't think those highlights didn't come with a lot of tears and a lot of fighting through it one hour at a time. There was a lot of that going on. Well, and, uh, and every time I go back into that book, I see new stuff that helps me in new situations as my life continues to grow. But you know, it's better than it was. Well, exactly. And that's what I'm hearing in every meeting. They're like, that's what we're here for. And I've told everybody that before, you know, that's what we're all here for. We're all here for the same thing to get fixed, to not, you know, have to deal with alcohol anymore and not have that as your, your wife, you know, say to to speak. So, I mean, it's just, it's really tough, but I really do love the people that I've been meeting at uh, the New Day Club. I'm punching that one in there for them in awesome. Wisconsin. So if you're, <laughs> you're listening from Wisconsin, New Day Club, back home, Wisconsin. That's <laughs> fantastic. fantastic. They really are. I'm glad they've welcomed you in, as most places should do, and uh, sometimes oh, it's a little they, difficult. Yeah, they did, but they. I walked up to the guy the first night I went there when I got back home, and I introduced myself to him, and he said, I love this guy because he introduced himself to me. Yeah. I yeah. was like, well, you don't need to. We're all in the same boat. It takes a little bit of effort on our I, parts. we got to show them that we want it. Well, and exactly. But that's the whole thing I said to everybody in every meeting that I've done. We're all in the same boat. You know, and that's what I love about those people is that they, their stories just rip your heart out. And this last week, um, I went to a meeting and everybody that talked in the meeting had at least six or seven sponsees die on them. Oh, God. Wow. Yeah. And one of them was just last Wednesday night where my wife went to a party um, over here and the lady's husband killed himself, hung himself. Oh, my God. Because he was awful. an alcoholic. That's awful. Well, Brian, and it is awful, but I mean, but that's where everybody comes up and they say we can't save everybody. Right, that's so you true, know. Brian. I'm gonna thank you for being here at Sober in the City, Rich and Tony also. And when we come back, more about how did you know that you needed help? How did you reach out for help? How difficult was the transition, and how much better is it now? We'll answer that and more. And Sober in the City will be right back. And unlike everything you gave away to the dope man in addiction, we really will be right back. When I got the news today, I didn't know what to say. So I just hung up the phone. I took a walk to clear my head. And this is where the walk in led. 
Can't believe you're really gone Don't feel like going home So I'm gonna sit right here On the edge of this pier And watch the sunset disappear And drink a beer Funny how the good ones go Too soon but the good Lord knows The reasons why I guess and Sometimes a greater plan It's kinda hard to understand Right now it don't make sense I can't make it all make sense So I'm gonna sit right here on the edge of this pier and watch the sunset disappear. Alcoholic, is someone you know struggling with this disease? Let the Freedom from Addiction Foundation assist you with our acclaimed intervention and recovery coaching services. For a very affordable fee, we can set up and perform on-site interventions, ongoing treatment supervision, and personalized recovery and life coaching services. We are local, we are a nonprofit group, and we can work within your financial parameters by accepting most major credit cards and working with or without your insurance. Call today, 1-877-876-2329. 1-877-876-2329. Again, that's 1-877-876-2329. Are you a suffering addict or alcoholic? Is someone you know struggling with this disease? Recovery starts with one phone call. Call the Freedom From Addiction Foundation today. 877-876-2329.